Hello and welcome to today's podcast discussing historical and current perspectives in educational technology. Today's show is sponsored by Lambda University's graduate programs, and a special thank you to the MN faculty for inspiring our conversation today. We are looking at two individual perspectives from Mary Beadle and Thomas Reeves regarding their ideas about the issues facing society surrounding the use of mass media and technologies in general. From their writings, we will briefly examine five key issues presenting both a historical and current perspective. We will touch on the issue of censorship of the internet, the impacts of violence portrayed in the media, the cost of technology in the classroom, the role of technology in education, and the impact of social media on learning. Regarding the topic of censorship on the internet, Mary Beadle is cited as saying there is no institution that regulates the flow of information over the internet and expresses some concern about the availability of information, the validity of information, and generally just the idea that the internet is kind of this cesspool where anybody can say anything and it's out there forever. Censorship of the internet is certainly an important issue worldwide. Uh, Currently here in the States, the Communications Decency Act, CDA 230, allows users to freely express their opinions, perspectives, thoughts, etc. on the internet, whether that's via a social media platform or a personal blog, however they want to express those things. CNN published an article on August 10th uh, describing a draft of censorship online. Uh, bill in the United States which would allow the FCC and FTC to monitor and police online speech on social media platforms, online forums, and more. And this caused a great deal of concern across the nation um, because part of our amendment rights is that idea that we have the freedom of speech. And so this bill would have severely limited that and allowed these corporations to kind of monitor and police free speech. Currently in the world, the 10 most censored countries are Eritrea, North Korea, Turkmenistan, Saudi Arabia, China, Vietnam, Iran, Equatorial Guinea, Belarus, and Cuba. And that information was gleaned from a combination of factors that kind of took into account the information available to the population in that country and what information was censored from kind of the masses in those countries. And so censorship of the internet definitely is still a hot button topic today and there is really no institution that regulates the flow of information over the internet. And as we work with our students in education, it's really important that we teach them how to critically think and evaluate the sources that they're using to get information, whether that's to form their own personal opinions or from a more educational perspective if they're doing research or writing papers or different things like that. But generally speaking, censorship of the internet is something that still is an issue facing society today and how do we how do we present information in a way uh, that allows us to see what is true and what is real but also how do we still allow for that freedom of expression it's definitely a question that everyone has to ask 
Another issue facing society surrounding the use of mass media and technology is the cost of technology in the classroom. Thomas Reeves is cited as saying that technology affords us many benefits, but rarely without some hidden or unexpected costs. And Reeves discusses, you know, practically that technology is fiscally expensive and this could disadvantage lower socioeconomic school districts and at what rate do school districts invest in technology as it continues to improve and be updated. But also metaphorically, Reeves considers what is the social or emotional cost of having technology in the classroom. And so not only is this an issue of fiscally, but at what cost are we introducing technology into the classroom and what is the impact that it has on the social and emotional learning of students. Reeves cites Postman's conclusion that computers and technology can be treated often as false gods and kind of throws this perspective out there and doesn't totally buy into it but cautions against this idea of elevating technology to be so important in the classroom. Oppenheimer, in an article in The Atlantic, really drives home the point that exorbitant spending should not be disproportionately allocated to computers and technology, making the argument strongly against the amount of dollars that school districts are spending on technology with the reference point of this continual growth and evolution and how impossible it is to really keep up with the updates to technology as we continue to make improvements. A lot of educators are asking today, is it worth it to invest in technology in the classroom at the cost of some of these newer technologies? And the perspective generally is absolutely yes. Um, A lot of different perspectives as you're doing research on the cost of technology in the classroom really ends up summarizing it by stating that not implementing technology in the classroom may end up being more costly long-term to both educators and students. And when you consider that perspective from the education standpoint of teachers and instructors in the classroom, if you are looking to become more proficient, if you're looking to change careers, or maybe you're working in a third grade classroom and you want to move to a fifth grade classroom, you're going to be more marketable if you have an understanding of the variety of technologies in the classroom and from a student perspective if the role of education is to prepare students for real life then they are going to encounter technology in every aspect of both their personal professional romantic social lives and so absolutely it's worth it to educate our students and include technology in the classroom that will allow them to grow in their understanding of using that technology now the u.s department Uh, on their website has suggested some ways in which funds are available to support transitions to digital learning, including both devices, connectivity, and professional development. And there is, I want to reference the Dear Colleague letter, federal funding for technology as a source for more information on what funds might be available under ESEA and IDEA. Beetle raises the issue of the way violence is portrayed in the media 
fact stating that violence is just one of the many messages being sent through the media today and talking about how the way that American media has kind of contributed to a negative perception of the states globally simply due to the way that we tend to present violence in the media that is viewed by people around the globe. Um, She also talks about this idea that those who consume more violence tend to think the world is a more violent place. And when we consider violence as it's portrayed in the media today, this is a very heavily researched topic, particularly due to the number of mass shootings that have happened in the States in recent years. And so uh, a 2015 report by the American Psychological Association decided to take a look at violent video games and this particular form of media and kind of what it did to the youth who engaged in violent video games. Um, After reviewing some literature and doing a study, the report's authors concluded that violent video game use has an effect on aggression, which can manifest as an increase in aggressive behavior, thoughts, and feelings and lead to a decrease in helping others' empathy and sensitivity to aggression. Um, Though limited, their evidence suggests that the higher amounts of exposure to violent video games is definitely linked to higher levels of aggression, but they weren't able to determine a causal relationship between violent video games and violent behavior necessarily. C.D. Walker, in an article published on Medium, states that it is an unavoidable truth in life that violence shapes our world at both the personal level and at a global scale in many forms, and that artists seek to explore the impact of such violence on society. And I really like this quote, and I want to unpack it a little bit, because there's a lot of truth in that statement that, personally, in our own lives, violence shapes our world on both that personal level and the global scale, whether that's through the news that we are consuming or the violence that we experience in our own lives. And media, artistry, seeks to explore the impact of such violence on societies. And so we really have to wrestle with the question of how do we present violence in media in a way that both honors the real world experience that people have, but doesn't glorify necessarily the impacts of violence on society. And for our students, it's something that I think we have a right, they have a right, we owe them the truth uh, about the things that happen, both maybe personally to them, but to their friends, or, you know, locally, or whatever that might be, to discuss violence as a reality, because to ignore it would be to ignore a crucial part of society as we understand it, but also to recognize that those who are in media as a career and publishing content really need to examine their reasons for sharing the information they're sharing and how that information is shared and so as we look to the future i think that in particular hollywood in america the way that news outlets are sharing information and the way that journalism is going we'll have to consider how violence continues to be portrayed 
for example, with the mass shootings that I previously mentioned that have happened at a much higher rate in recent years, we have shifted towards a trend of not immediately publicizing the shooter's name so as not to kind of give him this heroic complex. And I say him, stereotypically, it's a white male, but that isn't always the case. And so it's just something that's definitely a question our students and I think as a society we really need to ask about how we're going to continue to portray violence in the media in a way that honors the reality of it but doesn't distort or glorify that presentation. Mary Beadle-Wynn, discussing the role of technology in education, states that educators should ask and seek answers to important questions about the kind of society we want and how we get there. And Reeves makes the point that there should be an emphasis made for focus on learning with technology, not about or strictly from technology. And this historical perspective is one that I think educators share commonly today that technology can be a powerful tool for transforming learning and that it can help affirm and advance relationships between educators and students and maybe reinvent our approaches to learning and collaboration or shrink long-standing equity and accessibility gaps or help to adapt learning experiences to meet the needs of all students. And so I think that this perspective of technology being a tool rather than, as Reeves cited Postman saying, a false god, that technology is something that we can use to supplement learning and to enhance the learning experience for both educators and students. One question that educators will have to ask themselves as we consider the role of technology in education looking to the future is how much time and energy educators are willing to spend in understanding technologies that are available to the classroom and to the learning process. And that is something that I think um, from a from a broader perspective we're going to have to consider in higher education as we're educating future teachers is how much do we include in education around technology within curriculums for bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, etc. final key issue we wanted to address today was the impact of social media on learning and both Reeves and Beadle made the points that generally social media can be a distraction to learning but as we've been reading in our education 630 course Enyan and Davies talking about teenagers and technology discuss this multitasking that exists in two forms with regards to teenagers and technology that which distracts from learning and that which enhances learning And as you begin to do research on the current impact of social media on learning, the reality is that social media exists and our students are using it and it continues to evolve and the platforms continue to shift and change. Um, When I was a student, Facebook was prominently 
at the forefront and now we see technologies like Snapchat and Instagram being more popular among students. Um, but I think the right educator, an educator who is using their resources wisely, is going to acknowledge that social media exists and then begin to ask the question, so how can we use it for learning? And is there a place for this in learning in the classroom? Whether that's through creating a course website, I've known of college professors to use Twitter to engage their students in classroom discussions or to share things beyond the classroom to continue encouraging that learning outside of the four walls of the traditional classroom. And I think too, as we see online learning continue to shift and evolve, we can continue to ask this question in the future of how do we incorporate social media into the learning process and what is the place of social media in learning and education? Thanks so much for joining us today for this presentation of historical and current perspectives uh, in educational technology. Uh, I hope you feel like you learned a little bit about some of the issues that have been long-standing in educational technology and as we consider the issues facing society surrounding the use of mass media and technology in general. This is your host, signing off.